Join me in prayer as we go into our message time here at Elevating Life Church. Let's pray. Lord, we are in awe of your true epic story. And we say sorry for misinterpreting it often and ask for insight to help understand the stories provided in, in the Bible that reveals your heavenly truth. We ask so we can live by your ultimate principles that lead to your goodness. We now yield to total truth to honor you and be servants to all in the story of reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hello and good morning. Beautiful song. One of my favorite songs. Hey, today we will begin our message in the book of Joel this morning. Joel chapter 2 this morning continues our year's theme, understanding the Bible, God's epic story, or should I say God's epic true story. Who's with me this morning? As you're getting there, let me uh, say it is great to be with you. On the day NASCAR fans have been waiting for all year long. Because today, crazy fans, not only in the United States, but around the world are celebrating the, what is it, the Indianapolis 500 today. Most of you don't know that because those fans are probably home right now waiting for the race because it's happening at 1045 uh, standard time. Don't ask why I know that. I just do. Maybe I'm one of those crazy fans. I don't know. So if you are a fast car, uh, can we say uh, high revving, you love those high revving engines, if you will, this is your race. And yes, again, it is happening right now, but don't fret because it takes over three hours to race it and we'll have you home uh, before the final stretch and before that checkered flag. Ways. How many of you guys knew that was that was happening today? Obviously, not race car fans here today. They're all at home, okay? Okay. Well, anyway, I do encourage you all uh, after the service today to get a bunch of buddies together, whatever you got to do. Enjoy watching Super Bowl of racing. Uh, why? Well, I think you know why. We are just what? More better together, especially when, well, enjoying the Indianapolis. It didn't kind of work today because the fans aren't here. But anyway, uh, Enjoy it, right? We'll have you out. Don't worry, no frets. And so, do I have one, just one fan? Do I have one fan right here? Now, this one fan, Betty, our piano player, our beloved Betty, asked me to get done early so she could go home and make sure she she watches that. So that was all for me. So, Betty, we'll make sure uh, you're ready together. Why? But I'm glad you're here. Why? Because we're more better together. So everybody on three say more better together. One, two, three. Ooh, that sounded good. Right on, right on. All right, all right, all right. Not, not different time, different theme. All right. Now, for those who may be wondering who I am, I do see some new faces there. My name is Drake. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, uh, senior pastor here at Elevating Life Church. And let me say, Welcome, 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 and I'm thrilled to be sharing God's Word with you this morning. So let's jump right into it and see what God has for us through a message I've titled, Tell Me a True 
story. Today, I want to give you some tools to help you interpret God's true story that sits in the Bible. That's the whole point of this message today, to help you uh, truly interpret God's true story. So to begin the message, read with me Joel uh, chapter 2, verse 29, which is our core verse. I need to set this up a little bit. Joel here is not a minister uh, in Houston. Uh, get it? Joel Steen. Get it? Get it? Get it? Come on. Come on. But a prophet in the Bible. Okay? So we're talking about Joel the prophet, uh, whose responsibility as a prophet is to truly share the word of God, to tr uh, truly share the true story of God. And prophets in, in the Old Testament, if you have read the Old Testament, they do this by uh, sharing parables. Now, Jesus does this as well. But here we are in the book of Joel, and he's, he's, he's going to forecast uh, a moment that's going to happen if the people uh, in his day, following this true story, this will be the reality in the day that we live today. So Joel is prophesying, the prophet Joel. Okay, Stay with me on that one. Okay, And this is... The end result, if we're interpreting the Word of God properly and we're applying it and we're putting it into practice. And Joel, the prophet here, says this, even my servants, this is in the first person of, of God, of course, even on my servants, raise your hand if you're a servant of God. There you go. Even on my servants, both men and women, and all the women said, Man, here, here's a prophet that gets it, right? Hey, it's just not about the men, men. Okay, I think we have some churches still struggling with that one. But here we're prophesying here, okay? We don't live in those days, by the way. But anyway, that's another message. Both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. There's a capital S there. Okay? I will pour out my spirit in those days. Again, when we properly interpret the Word of God, especially the parables, this is the outcome in the day of the Lord, and we live in the day of the Lord. This is what the prophet was prophesying, all the prophets, where we're at today. I promise you. So again, to springboard this, make sure we hear this loud and clear. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, I open up with this verse to springboard us into a well-needed message about one of the responsibilities of prophets. Now, prophets don't exist anymore. There's a gift of prophecy that's different. But there's no longer prophets. There's only ministers of God, and that's the child of God or known as Christians. It's no longer just uh, that responsibility is just not one person or two people. It is the church now and every person that calls themselves a Christian. So one of their responsibilities, like Joel, the prophet, uh, th that's one of their, yeah, I'll get back on track. That was one of their responsibilities. Now, one aspect of their job, big, big, big aspect of their job, is telling stories or parables. It's a function that communicates God's story, now hear this, with a heavenly meaning. Because a lot of people could tell stories, you watch movies, read books, and all that, but there's no heavenly meaning. Meaning there's a lot of people that love to be entertained, but they don't really care about the other aspect or the main course of the mill about the heavenly meaning. 
just tickle my ears, as the Bible says. And so our responsibility is to make sure we understand these stories, these parables, so that then we can extract the heavenly meaning, so then we apply it to our lives, so that then the, the, the Spirit of God can pour on our lives in every role, in every moment. Are you with me? So this function is essential because when correctly interpreting parables, heavenly meaning is revealed, period. Which, then again, as I've already shared, pours out God's Spirit to both men and women in the day of the Lord, which we we reside in today, as the prophet Joel anticipated way back then. Now up front, know that parables presented in the Bible, both by the prophets, uh, the Old Testament, and of Jesus, are where God's universal, unbiased, and objective truths are uncovered. Truth known as the principles of God. And again, as the prophet Joel communicated, I cannot overemphasize this. God's Spirit will pour out on His servants when appropriately interpreted and applied in their life. Are you with me? Does this make sense? You're quiet, but your heads are doing this. That's, that's nice and loud. Thank you. So let's understand what parables are to reap the benefit of living in the Spirit of the Lord to gain godly wisdom in the day that we live. Shall we do that this morning? Do you mind if I do that? Is it okay? All right. So to begin, this portion. I'm already out of breath. Excuse me. To begin this portion of the message, I have a question for you. Here's the question. Do you feel you have a good grasp on understanding what parables are in the Bible and the reason they're there. Now, I I believe most would say, I'm a little, I just saw this, iffy on grasping the heavenly meaning in the stories that I read in Scripture. In fact, I'm going to say this, many would say that reading the Bible causes more confusion than clarity in their exposure to God's Word. I've heard that more times than not. I read it and I'm more confused. Mm-hmm. Or I can say it this way, I feel more confused after reading the Bible than before. Well, tell me this. Do you believe that God is a God of confusion and disorder or a God of clarification and order? Of course, he's, he's a God of clarity and order. The command that Jesus teaches here is receive my power, which then is only through the order of God. Of course, God wants us to have clarity and order. Now, understand this. When reading, not just reading, studying and interpreting the epic story of God, his desires that you receive his power or spirit through those heavenly truths that live in the mystery of his word. Are you with me? Now, for those who care to know, let's see how to uncover God's secrets 
in the parables of the prophets and, of course, of Jesus that sit in Scripture. Let's do that. So the first question needed to be answered, or asked, I should say, and answered about parable is this question. What is a parable? You might want to know this so that you can uh, start with uh, the right at the right starting point. Now, most will agree that you need to know what a parable is to understand God's story. Now, let me say this. Here it is. A parable is literally something cast along something else. And the prophets in Jesus' parables are stories that were cast alongside a truth to illustrate God's principles. So parables, in other words, parables are teaching aids in Scripture and can be thought of, thought of, excuse me, thought of as extended analogies, if you will, or better yet, extended inspirations with two different comparisons. And a typical description of a parable is that it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. God created the heavens and the earth. Are you with me? And it's this very first scripture in the Bible, God created the heavens and earth, that must come together so you can receive the good principle of God. Who's with me? The very first words, the first ten words of the Bible, It's an earthly story with those heavenly meanings that will get you the principle that you're looking for. Please hear that because we have so many people uh, reading the Bible that are not getting the principles, but they fall in the details and the mess of things. Never, ever, ever forget the Bible begins with God's goodness, not in the book of Romans. Are you with me? Because everybody wants to start off with the problems and the badness and the evil. Let me tell you about this road. Let me tell you about this path. Let me tell you about the path of the Bible. It always opens up with goodness, no matter how you open it. At the beginning, God's story always starts with goodness, and that's where our our story needs to, to begin. Are you with me? Does that make sense? As most know, the prophets and Jesus revealed uh heavily, excuse me, they relied heavily on parables. It's been loosely calculated that there are over 250 parables in the Bible, with over 30 of them directly associated with Jesus' storytelling preference. Now recall that Jesus said uh, he did not say anything to the crowd without using parables. Parables. Mark 4, 34. This is important because the crowd is the bigger, the bigger crowd of, of a church or anything. He did not speak to them without a parable, but check this out. But privately, he spoke to his own team or his disciples. He explained everything. This is huge because there's many people that just kind of is part of the crowd and Oftentimes, they come to me or other people like, I'm not really getting it. There's a reason for it. Okay, And right here, Jesus' testimony uh, shares one of the reasons. Or in other words, let me say it this way. Jesus only gave time to those who were genuine, uh, excuse me, genuinely committed and owned their new faith. Not only do they own it, but they are engaged in it 
and spent time learning God's word with a trusted, knowledgeable, and mature person. Does that make sense? Don't think for a second you're going to sit in the middle of somewhere and it's just the Spirit of God's going to pour on you. That's not how it's ever been uh, in reality. Notice the disciples got mature person. And of course, Jesus is up in heaven, but we have our under shepherds. We have our mature people. Follow me, as Paul said, as I follow Christ. Are you with me? And it's a shame because we, are, we have a difficult time in our day and age to get people to even get a crowd. But hey, that's all right. We're still going to be obedient and stay totally focused on the perspective of God's goodness, no matter what. Here, now, it is essential to know why Jesus communicated this way with what we just read. You see, Jesus, like the prophets of yesteryear, understood that parables had a significant purpose and that they are like a two-sided coin. The first side of parables is, uh, is one side of the coin, but this side uh, of parables drive, or, or the purpose of it, is to reveal the truth to those who truly want it. They seek it. They go after it. Ask, seek, and knock, Jesus said. That's one side. And as promised, it will be revealed. However, on the other side of the coin is to conceal the truth to those who are indifferent or apathetic towards God's way. And, and, and how God's design works. They're interested about it, but hey, I'll figure it out as I go, as we see the Israelites doing it for 40 years. But Jesus' point is, let me show you how to do it in about three years. Interpreting a parable is tricky. Now, sometimes it's easy because the prophets and Jesus, right up front, gives an, uh, an interpretation directly following the story. It's quite easy. We read it, there's the interpretation. But more times than not, no interpretation with these parables. Now, the reason for this is the difference between enabling and empowering the reader. Some parables have the meaning exposed immediately to enable the reader to understand it up front. Now, this makes sense. This type of disclosure, if you will, is no different than spoon-feeding an infant to feed them to help them grow up. I think we see that. There's a good story, right? We have to feed the infants. That's enabling. And enabling is good. However, that's for a child. That's what a mom does. There has to be a point of transition. So on the other hand, many parables empower the reader to go and seek the meaning for themselves. Why? The same reason we teach children to feed themselves. Get out of the nest. We don't want them to depend on mommy and daddy for the rest of their lives. Who's with me? Well, I got quiet. Same with spiritual growth. They need to learn to feed themselves. This method is an empowering procedure. And those serious about being autonomous in their faith and mature will do it 
at all costs or in God's priority. Who's with me? So, with that, let me give you some tips to empower you to interpret God's story or parables to help you learn how to eat the meal of God correctly. And I promise these tips will empower you to understand the Bible better, where God's objective truth will pour out as the prophet Joel prophesied. Let me give you those tips. Now, of course, before I give you these tips, let me explain why it is so essential to understand these parables. It's so important because it is here in parables where, here's a new word for you, it's here where the diegesis of the Bible narrates the story to the reader. Are you with me? No, you're not, because you shouldn't know that word. You might be wondering, what in the world is a diegesis? Well, simply put, it's the unknown or mysterious character who narrates the story to the reader from a wonderfully weird position in the story. This place is God's position. This is the parables. This place is God's position or His overvoice. God is over everything in the Bible's case. So the puzzling, peculiar, perplexing storyteller keeps the story moving forward in good form throughout the entire Bible. It is critical that we hear these parables and know how to interpret them because it's where the God's voiceover is in place. And if you're wondering what that is, Heather did a brilliant job on our title slide this morning. You see the narrative bubble there? See what that is? There's no character. It's very mysterious. Who's saying this? What's going on? That's God's voiceover or parables or the reason for parables in Scripture. So this understanding is used in literature, especially in comic books. Now, a lot of people coming up to me, I don't get it. Well, if you read comic books, you might want to figure this out. And most people do, not everyone, but like there's not a lot of car fans. Maybe there's not a lot of comic books. But you've read literature. Or you've seen movies. Typically, in these types of books or movies, you'll see this mysterious uh, narrative boxes or a voiceover moving the story forward. Now, I don't know what your genre of movies are, but I love the 80s movies. Anybody remember uh, Ferris Bueller? Yeah, uh, sorry to bring this to your mind, but here you go. In the shower scene where he's just taking a shower and he's getting ready, you know, to do his thing, he actually stops the entire movie and he looks at the camera and he talks into the camera as this unknown character, and then he gets back into character. That's a diegesis in, in the Scripture. That is God. I did not say Ferris Bueller is God. Are you with me? And, and it is a true character, not only in all of those uh, areas, but definitely in the Scripture, and it's the parables that this voice or these parables exist. Are you with me? And it's these mysterious bubbles, if you will, whatever they're called, that carries you through from point A, God's goodness, to point Z, God's goodness. Who's with me? We've got to understand how to read Scripture and the reason it's there. That's why it's so essential to understand 
parables. It's the parables where God's voice over carries his epic story forward. Now, in interpreting parables, the goal or prayer for the reader or the interpreter is this. Here's the goal. Here's your prayer. I want to know God's secret thoughts. Are you with me? That's your prayer. And say this to yourself. Everything else is just details. Don't forget the devil lies in the details. With that, here are some tips to to move you forward to hear the diegesis of Scripture for God. Tip number one, are you ready? Say, I'm ready if you're ready. Oh, you can do better than that. Say, I'm ready. There you go. Tip number one. Uh, with parables now in our mind, in our mind's eye, number one, you need to identify the boundaries or the borders of the story. Okay, all parables, uh, big, small, whatever, have a beginning and an end. All of them. This framework tells us uh, the context. How important is context or the setting of the story that you're going to read? It's important especially with uh, Jesus' stories and parables. So again, you've got to identify the borders, meaning it has an, you have introductory words and concluding words that frame or border the story. Now, a big clue, excuse me, when reading the Bible is when you come across terms like, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Anybody ever read that in the Bible? You're going into a very important time. This is a term right up front. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, these words should trigger the reader, you, to think here lies God's objective truth instead of subjective truth. Also, we read other words as seen in Luke 18.9. Let's look at this as an introductory. Check out this parable here. Uh, This is of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and Jesus is leading into it, and he says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness. Now, if we're going to say that in our day and age, those who think they're all that in a bag of Doritos with the Mountain Dew on the side. There you go. I hadn't said it this year. There it is in Scripture, right there. I'll do it my way. So Jesus is talking to these people. So confident in their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. Anybody have, have somebody real old, they think they're better than you because they have gray hair and they look down on the younger generations? Can I get amen, teenagers? You think Jesus is going to be talking to somebody here? Okay, We have a bad habit of doing that without realizing it. <laughs> and so to some of those who are confident, pride in their own righteousness, I'll do what I want, I'll interpret the way I want, I'll read this the way I want, and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. So with that, as your pastor, let me empower you this morning to go and read the parable for yourself of the Pharisees and the tax collector in Luke 18 to extract God's objective truth. Come to me afterwards and we'll talk about it if you're serious about God's truth. Now these instructions that Jesus is going to give here Help define the subject matter 
before illustrating in a par parable. Anybody want to get give a guess what the subject matter is going to be of this parable that, that sits in Luke 18? Who wants to give a guess? There you go. It's for those who think they're all that and a bag of Doritos with the Mountain Dew on the side. I do what I want. Even though it's going to take them 40 years. That's tip number one. Identify the borders of the story. Tip number two, and this is so important. Please pay attention if this is important to you. If it's not, then do whatever you got to do. Tip number two, distinguish between the meat, that's God's principle, and the garnish or the details of the story. Okay? So distinguish between God's principle and the details of the story. In other words, not every detail that you're reading, the garnishment, if you will, of the story, carries a deeper meaning with it, people. Most elements are simply there to support, uh, to salt, to give good flavor, but to, to support the mill of God. The details are there to help the main course of the mill, the meat of God's mill is God's objective truth or that principle. We've got to find the meat. And that's what we are after, the truth of God, not the little details. Now, thinking about details in, in our reality, thinking about the details in how nature and history and design work, then shows us that people in God's story, humans, are the details in God's epic story. We are the salt that flavors the meat. We are not the meat. Are you with me? So many people walk around, all that in a bag of Doritos, thinking they're the meat. You ever meet somebody, they think they're the center of the universe, or in their universe, everybody revolves around them. You're not God. You're the salt. You are to bring flavor to life. And that's what the details uh, do. Humans are the subjective reality of God. Humans are the subject of God who add flavor to life. Who's with me? Never the other way around. People add flavor only if people understand their place in life, in God's overall meal. They understand their place in life. Definition of the fear of the Lord. People add flavor. I think we would all agree that people tend to get lost in their own little details of life, be it in the interpretation of parables or the interpretation of their life. And it's making life taste terrible. Who's with me? We've got to take that in because whew, some of us are just making life taste terrible. That's not our reality. Our reality is to be the flavor of the truth of God. And then through that thinking and through that expression, we get to add flavor to every experience, good or bad, that we walk in and we experience. Who's with me? Again, the goal here, well, my point is this. Please, 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 my, my point with this tip is don't get lost in the details. i got to find out my purpose. i got to find out my calling. i got to find out all these details. Hey, connect to God's purpose and calling and all that. Get into the picture, and I promise you everything else will fall into place. Get your eyes off the problems. Get your eyes on, on God and on Jesus. Again, the goal is I want to know God's thoughts. The rest are details. Who's with me? Come on, to some good preaching, folks. For example, 
in Jesus' interpretation of the parable of the sower, and most people know this parable, which maybe some of you know it as the parable of the four soils, Jesus never goes into a scientific, deductive conversation about the details of the different types of soils. But I've heard message after message in these details. He never goes into the scientific side of soil, now does he? I think you, want, I think you understand that. He gives a general identification of the grounds or the soil, and he does not go into detail. Those t- details are meaningless. The overall point Jesus was making in this particular parable. The point, and I'll enable you here, the point of that particular uh, parable is the condition of people's heart determine a person's acceptance of God's word. The good ground or the good heart, if you will, hopefully you have a good heart and you're receiving this well, is the only way that Jesus' seed the word of his kingdom, the word of God, is to be established in a person's life. If this is the truth, uh, the result is always the same, the fruits of the Spirit in who you are. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. If your heart is truly good, your emotions or your expression of who you are, no matter the experience and the maturity of who you are, is this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I got to pause because I know it in King James. Gentleness and self-control. That's self-management of your stress, self-management of your thoughts so that you can get the proper fruit there. So that then then you're getting the word of God. So then the the spirit of God is being poured on you and that truth is going to live through you. And through your thoughts, the expression is the fruit of the spirit. And you add flavor to life wherever you may be, whatever their circumstances. Read Paul, the Apostle Paul's journey to understand that deeper. The good, now let me say this the good ground, the good ground portrays the one. Let's see if you have a good heart here. The good ground portrays the one who hears, understands, and receives the Word, and then allows the Word to accomplish its results in their life, the fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit is poured out on us. That's tip number two, distinguish between the meat, God's truth, and the details or the garnishment of the story. Let me share one last one, and this will be quick, and I'm done. Two tips in the jar, I guess. Good. Tip number three. Please, please hear this this morning. And this is where our culture goes. Compare Scripture with Scripture. Let that sink in. Because so many people want to read it and like, what does this person mean? What does this person mean? What? Listen, I have heroes. uh, Henry Cloud, Timothy Keller, uh, Caroline Leaf. You know, I have a lot of people. But the first place I go is not them. It's the Scripture. Scripture uh, compare Scripture with Scripture. That's a big mistake many people make. They don't do that. The basic principles of reading, studying, and grasping God's Word is invaluable when it comes to interpreting and studying these parables. Know this. Parables, those stories, will never, ever contradict excuse me, the rest of God's Word. Period. Enough said. 
Even Jesus himself gave testimony to this particular tip, John 12, 49. We know this one. Many of us know this one. For Jesus said this, for I did not speak on my own. How many people are just speaking on their own with pervasive communication? Blah, 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 blah. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me. There's God's principles. Father who sent me, command it. Anybody hear the commands of Christ by any chance? I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Commanded me to say all that I have spoken. We are to be like Jesus, yes? Parables illustrate God's principles of life or the truth, period. The parables of the prophets and Jesus never contradict God's principle or His truth. If they do, you have some details to clear out. So go back to tip number two. So there you have it, tip number three. You now have three tips to empower you to understand the Bible better. Again, they are identify the borders of the story, distinguish between uh, the meat and the garnishment of the story or distinguish between God's principles and the details of the story. And the last one was compare Scripture with Scripture. Folks, I guarantee it, if you can learn how to interpret the parables of the prophets of yesteryear, more importantly, uh, the parables of Jesus, you will be successful in all of your roles in all of your life. It's a guarantee. It's a promise from the diegesis of Scripture. And this is where His Spirit will pour out on you in the day of the Lord, a day we now live, a day we get to seek after His kingdom to gain wisdom through God's Spirit uh, of knowledge. Where, I can say it this way today, men and women alike, Live in the fear of the Lord together, because we're more better together, and tell God's epic story to the next generation, the next generation, and the next generation. It's both thoughts or the principles of God with your emotion that must come together that pours out the Spirit of God. It's never just your emotions. Never. I'm so tired of people coming up to me in their, in their subjective reality and saying, oh, I felt it. What's the truth that goes with it? If you can't do it, it's not the Spirit of God. So today, I encourage you to live in the fear of the God properly with the truth that then through the thought process, the mental process, you get to manage that through self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, where then you express yourself, where then you get to be a servant of all, both men and women alike get to live together in harmony. Ending where we began, Joel 2.29, even on my servants, again, raise your hand if you're a servant of God, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Church, message, tell me a true story. Amen?